Hello and welcome to the True Purpose podcast. My name is Will Stewart and I'm founder of True Purpose Enterprises, a collection of businesses created to empower and promote future-proof business that drives both happiness and success. On this podcast, our conversations will explore what it means to lead with true purpose and why this is necessary for people, planet and most crucially, profit. If you like inspiring stories of resilience, purpose, happiness and biscuits, then your ears are in the right place. From Mayfair to Metadata, my guest this week is a true legend. Joel Silverman is CEO and co-founder of Kids Know Best, a stunning insight data company powered by kids' voices, making a huge impact for brands around the globe, helping them reach and understand a uniquely underappreciated demographic. He's from Essex, like me, so naturally I'm going to like him. He's collaborative, kind, he's honest, uh, driven, and he's very passionate about purpose. So he's a thoroughly a thoroughly decent guy. KKB is built on purpose. Uh, today we're all going to hear all about Joel, his journey, and how purpose shaped it. So welcome to the True Purpose podcast, Joel Silverman. Thanks, Will. It's a pleasure to be invited on. And, you know, when you come to me with the the idea originally and the thought around purpose, it, it really got my brain going. And it's probably been on my mind ever since and kind of thinking about that meaning of purpose. I guess the one thing, the most important thing that's been going on with that word is not only what it means to me within business, but what it means to me in life. And it's kind of how the two transcend. And I, I guess, you know, like yourself, being a business owner, um, most of your purpose is spent with zero work-life balance because work is your life. So that kind of purpose has to run through everything you do. Yeah, totally. The, the two are very, very intertwined. I think, particularly for you as a leader of a, you know, business that you know you can influence a lot of people. Um, you know, you think about how you live your life and try to be a good person. Yeah, that is purpose, you know, trying to be kind. But when you then apply that to, you know, to a business and, you know, you founded a business that you can set the direction from the start, that's where I think um, your purpose can be built in, you know, not easily, but it's certainly easier than trying to retrofit it later on. 100% agree. Yeah, and I knew, you know, and I knew something like this, you know, the conversations we've had, you, you know, you're very purpose focused, and that's why, you know, I really want to explore this story a bit more um, on the podcast. So I want to go back to, um, you know, your first career or uh, history can go back to the sort of stylist element. So, you know, tell me about that side of things. I mean, were you a happy, were you a happy stylist? <laughs> Was I happy? Um... I hope my clients like to think I was happy. Uh, funnily enough, um, I was with one of my shareholders on Monday who was our first investor in Kids Invest, and she was a client of mine. That's how I originally met her. And she's a real introvert. Um, she's an amazing, amazing lady. She was talking about when she first met me and when she first came to the salon that I worked at. She thought I was arrogant. It turned out... Thank God that she realised I wasn't arrogant. I was actually just shy. And it may surprise you, Will, because of how we know each other and how extroverted I am and I like to network. But that shyness and um, comes through, I think, in situations when people are hard to read and you don't want to overstep the mark and going deep inside yourself to kind of know 
how to interact with people. And it's only when you find that common interest with someone that the character in yourself comes out. And, and it was really interesting because, you know, she used the word arrogant. And then obviously after a couple of times of me doing her hair, like, thank God I was, I was good at what I did because if I was arrogant and a bad hairdresser, she, she never would have come back. But luckily I, I, I'd done her hair really well for a number of years. But she said, like, as soon as we warmed to each other and we found that, that connection, she realized that I was constantly happy. So it, it, it's kind of, you know, you use that word, was I a happy stylist inside all the time? But showing that to people that I didn't know was a rarity. I was never this, in the group of friends, I'd never be this leader of men out there just radiating energy. But I'd get my energy off other people when I connect. So, yeah, I was, I was very happy. Yeah, it's, it, that's fascinating because you always expect, you know, I think you just naturally expect certain professions to always be happy or chatty or extroverted. And equally, the interpretation of people are not, you know, that happy, chatty, out there, you know, cracking jokes thing that they can be quite cold, which can then be interpreted as arrogant. Yeah. And it's amazing, like, a, you know, a piece like that, you know, the fact that you needed to get to know her and she needed to get to know you to build a relationship. And now, you know, she's what, you know, client of yours now, right? Yeah, well, I mean, she's well, now an investor. Yeah, but she's also a friend, more than anything. And funny enough, this afternoon, I'm going to see another um, old client of mine who is one of the smartest people I know. Like, I could sit there for hours with her, just let her talk at me, and my jaw drops. And again, like, they're more than clients they're friends and i've tried to build that when we talk about purpose that purpose into kids know best because you know friendship collaboration partnership all these words are so important to me and yeah going back to the hairdressing and, and how i started out arrogance was never a thing what what was a thing was i wanted to be happy at all times and i was lucky to be in a profession where you know i'm spending my time with people to make you happy because you're making their lives happy. Everyone comes in to a hair salon and they might be, you don't know what's going on in their lives. And that's why I also took my time to warm to people originally when I didn't know them. Because if someone sits down, our sister will put a magazine in front of them, they'll pick up a magazine. I wouldn't want to interrupt their time because I know how precious people's time is. So I was very much, I'd wait. I'd have a little bit of small talk, but I kind of hated that about hairdressers actually. I was always, how can I build a deeper, meaningful relationship with these people? But it would only come when that person opened up to me and not vice versa, because ultimately they're paying for my service and they should be getting the service that they expect and they feel is right for the time. And I'd always, I'd always know as the more and more people that you meet and they do become friends in how they're feeling that day. Do you want to give them a bit of space? You know, do you, do you not want to talk that, that whole time they're with you? Or I'd sit down on, on, on my stool next to them and we can go in half an hour chat without them even touching their hair and you just real get that deep connection. Yeah, it's amazing. The going anywhere on your holidays question, isn't it? That's the sort of standard start conversation. But, you know, I guess, and then, you know, the other extreme, you know, you know, hairdressers can be therapists, right? People tell hairdressers things they don't tell their other halves, right? So you've got, I guess it's that balance. I mean, was was that business, you know, that you worked for then, a, you know, purpose-led business, do you think? Um, it was certainly purpose-led for me. And again, as as you asked me, Will, originally, um, 
when you reached out about the podcast, what does purpose mean to you? And I started thinking back and back and back and back. And I, I do think I've always been purpose-driven in everything that I've tried to do. And hairdressing was purpose-led because to me, I would get my kicks out of somebody saying how much they love their hair and it made them feel. Now, it, there's an element of selfishness to that because you're looking for that um, you're looking for that inner feeling of making someone's life better that makes your life better. So it's selfish that you want that feeling for you. But the purpose in, in everything is to make someone's life better and to leave your stamp. I'd hope that everyone's hair that I cut down the years would look back and go, I felt great when I left that salon. You know, people walk out and they, they should feel a million dollars. Like, I weren't cheap. So if someone walks out and, and they felt like I was a rip-off, that hurts. If someone walks out and they're not happy with their hair, that hurts. So yeah, that purpose was always, let me make someone's day, let me make someone happy. You know, and I used to do countless weddings. And for the life of me, I still think that. Like, people used to pay me for that. It's crazy. But then when you turn it the other way and you think this is someone's the most important day of their life, they're going to have those photos forever and they need to feel great and they need to look great, which, you know, ask any bride on their wedding day, like the, the most important thing for them is their hair and makeup, obviously the dress as well, but you're such a big part of someone's life and you can go through that journey with people. The purpose of, for myself was, I'm making someone's day the best day it can be and living lifelong memories. You think you were, so you basically found, you know, your career or what you could control and, and made that purposeful because, you know, you talk about it in terms of, you know, this is really important to them. I really want them to, you know, go out and have a, you know, feel really happy. Like, you know, new hair, you know, new haircut style, whatever does make people happy. So you, embrace that element as I'm going to make this purposeful for me, regardless of what may be anything else that was going on. You know, was that something that was just in you or, you know, can you go back in your life and think about, you know, a, an experience or your earliest experience of, of purpose or something that drove you that way? Or did it just, I just want to be this way? Um, I'm certain that most people's lives in the way they're tuned, goes back to childhood, goes back to how they were brought up, goes back to how their parents showed them respect and taught them. And when I think about purpose, you know, like I come from a middle class background, parents, luckily they're still together and it's a lovely home. But then I think about what your purpose is within that and as you grow and who you learn from. You learn from your parents, you learn from your siblings. And I think my purpose was always, I was a little brother, my purpose was always to make people happy or to be told to do something. I was never, I was never, I never, I used to push back as you get older, but in the early days, I think your purpose is how can I make someone's life better? I, you know, I was a typical mummy's boy. Like my mum would say saying, I'd always want to make my mum happy. Like, you know, you go through those horrible teenage years, which most boys do. We're, we're complete horrible people, teenage boys. But outside of that, I think your whole purpose is is normally to make somebody happy. And then that obviously transcends through your life when it, when you meet your partner and then you settle down with your partner. You know, you, your purpose is to make them happy too. So I think that starts from childhood. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And there's this big thing about being, a, you know, a, a, being a people pleaser, for example, and that being something negative, right? Because it's like, oh, you're just trying to keep everyone happy. And, you know, I challenge that a bit of like, yeah, yeah, I do want to make people happy. You know, I have that approach. It's like, I want to make people laugh. I want to make people happy because I think that's better, right? And and the other thing that I, you know, when researching for this podcast and, and looking for guests and trying to understand the motivations behind, well, why, you know, we talk about purpose, about making people happy or whatever, but, you know, I mean, from your point of view, does, you know, does being purposeful make make you happy? 100%. Um, as mentioned about that selfishness of making somebody happy that's sitting in my chair when I'm patting their hair, there's an element of selfishness towards that that makes me a happier person because I, I, I will struggle to find anyone that says making someone's day better won't make your day better too. You know, you, you always see these things like one good deed for the day. Do you know what I mean? Like you see a little old lady and you help her carry a shopping cart. Like that, yes, you're doing it because you want to help the little old lady, but it also makes you feel great, which fulfills your own purpose. Like it's so, so important to yourself to be a good, happy soul. Um, and and that's, I, again, being a people pleaser, yeah, it might surprise, it might not be for everyone in, in a sense because people can take that in the wrong way when they think that you're just trying to be everything for everyone. And, and sorry to think back again to what the purpose has made people happy. Randomly, I used to sell sweets in school. Um, my first kind of nice proper venture made a fortune out of it as a 13-year-old, 12, 13-year-old. But the purpose, again, yes, it was to make money, but you're also making people happy. The purpose was to provide something to make people happy because kids like sweets. You yeah. know, that's a purpose to me. Yeah. And it makes you popular if you're the kid oh. that can get Mars bars and Snickers, right? Oh, my God. all about the margin. Harry Bows, fantastic. Sell bags of Harry Bows. I used to sell them out quickly. And you used to make great money on them. It's fantastic. It's a, it's a classic origin story of successful entrepreneurs. Well, I used to, I sold sweets at school. I said, sold something at, at school. But, you know, and again, I think that element is a sort of, you know, you're either the sort of guy that's going to go and sell sweets at school and try and make money and, and that sort of things or not. But the fact is, you know, even then you're looking at it as a, well, it, you know, it made the other kids happy. And that, you know, again, that was part of the, the point here, right? Yeah, I remember one kid that used to bind me. I, I don't know why he used to do this. Straight after the first bell, so like it must have been 8.50 or something like that, you go, reset, you go to sign in, register, blah, 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 blah. And then he'd come and find me and always buy two bags of Harry Bow. And I'm thinking, why don't you just go to the shop? Blew my mind. Probably his mum wouldn't want to eat sweets. And then when I think back now, it's like, well, I just made that kid's day. Every single day, I think it was a year seven, and I must have been year eight or nine, and he used to come to me and buy his sweets, and I just made his day. And fulfilled my purpose. Yeah. No, I, no, I, I, I agree. I think the the fascinating thing, like my uh, father-in-law is this an amazing man, a real legend uh, in, in, of influence in me, and he has this thing where he just talks to everyone. He always, you know, you go to the shop or you go and get petrol, or you know, you're in a restaurant, he chats to the the waiter, you know, and he's always sort of cracking jokes or just trying to have those conversations and. It's a really nice thing. It, it builds, uh, you know, positivity in, in relationships. And, you know, he, yeah, he does it because I, 
I don't know, like he does it because he's he's a nice person or whatever. But I sort of took that influence. I was like, every time I go to co-op and get a sandwich, or whatever, I always try and say something to the person because you know I've worked on the tills back in a previous life, and you know, just a, a simple conversation that is about being kind or purposeful does make you know could make that person's day or make them happy. But the big benefit of everything purpose-led, as you said about the, you know, helping the old lady across the road story, is it makes you happy. It does make you happy, in my opinion, which is why I'm, that's probably why I've started a podcast on this, in that, you know, doing those things actually, you know, is it totally selfless to help someone else? Well, no, it isn't really. It's the right thing to do, guaranteed. But it will make you happier, make you have a happy day. If you go to the cop and you have this great conversation about football or whatever, both of you are going to leave with something a little bit more positive than if you just been like, do you want to receive? No. And then off you go, right? Now, you and I come from the same cloth. Uh, and it sounds like your father-in-law is too, like talking to people. I talk to everyone and anyone. Like, even every morning, go to the same coffee shop, always have a conversation. How are you doing? Like, what's, what, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? Like, even that little small talk, people just love it because some people are just like, introverted and or rude and they just you know especially in those transactional service places because it's very much like here go see you later and like I said nothing bad can come in a conversation yeah and I guess also it's not every day is it we all have bad days so sometimes you're just not in the mood but you yeah you, know, you probably work that out yeah. from, from your if they if they pick up the magazine Right. Don't ask them questions about their life. Right. Exactly. And um, let's move on to, um, you know, Kids Know Best. So this is a business that I hugely admire and I've told you many times. Um, Thank you. I think Thank it's you. I think it's a fantastic business. I think it's solving massive problems that, you know, we have certainly in our industry, but in many, many industries about how brands can get better at what they do. Ultimately, it's about data. Um, so, I mean, maybe, you know, tell me about, you know, how you, how and why you started that business. I think that would be good. And then we'll just talk about purpose and how that fits into it. Yeah, great. Thank you, Will. Um, how we started it, it, it is a purpose and a value that stays, that stay true today. And we're nothing like the business we thought we were going to be. Um, you know, the original concept of Kids Know Best was because my business partner, who's a friend of mine and has been for close to 20 years, um, he's got twin girls. They're now 11. So they were, I think they were six at the time. And he wanted to take them to the cinema. Just, I mean, anyone that's listening and, and has got kids, probably you need to keep them entertained. You know, a good way of doing that is sitting in front of a screen and keeping them quiet. And the only film on that um, was suitable for six-year-old girls, or six-year-olds in general, I think that's for girls, was an animation film. And this film got terrible reviews in The Guardian, really randomly. I don't know why. The, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. I said, why did The Guardian review this kid's film anyway? Like, who, who, like, why does it matter? So they reviewed this film, gave it two stars, and Rob was like, do you know what? I just want to keep the kids entertained. I'm going to take them anyway. The cinema was absolutely empty. You know, could have been one or two reasons, but let's just link it all together and say, well, it's impacted based on the fact that this has got a bad review. 
he's taken them and you know Rob's like it's a film I'm not engaged at all but the kids are and you can see because the kids are leaning forward they're gravitating towards that screen and his kids absolutely love this film and he's like why the hell is the Guardian gave this two stars why don't we ask kids what they think because if you're making something for that consumer why is a 40 year old man who's reviewing something in the Guardian giving their opinion on something that is not made for them you know it's basically like someone that loves classical music reviewing Nirvana you're not going to like it so What's the point in in asking a forty year old man to review a kid's film? So he, he phones me up with this idea, and the original concept was at the time when YouTube was kind of booming. Well, it, obviously it's still booming now; it's absolutely massive. But it, it was not in, yeah, just kicking it. Well, it wasn't in its infancy. It kind of gone semi mainstream, um, and you were getting a lot of those kid unboxers and things like that, and we thought that we could kind of create a platform that would be a review platform for kids based on kids. So kids would review things with video content. So we were like, could we build a trip advisor for kids? That was the first idea. And it was all about giving kids a voice because if we listen to the audience, that can lead to innovation and change for whatever the product or the service is. Because... You know, these are the future of our of our world. These people are the future of our world. It doesn't really matter what age they are, what education they are. You know, only why shouldn't they have a voice? Why shouldn't they have an opinion? So let's build a platform to give them that that opinion. Um, you know, obviously, as I said, we, we, we've changed a lot from the first idea to be a trip advisor for kids. Um, you know, like any business and startup, it's difficult to to just build something from scratch and what you have to do is you have to listen and as much as listening to kids is a great thing you also have to listen to the people that are you're providing the service to so we were very much like let's listen to our clients let's listen to the people in the industry understand what they need and and that's kind of how we've ended up where we are today but again the the ideation of the business was about listening to children and that stays true to us now because everything we do is about listening to children yeah, I mean, you talk about powered by kids' voices a lot, which, you know, which mm-hmm. is amazing. I mean, the story of The Guardian reviewing a film and that being so influential potentially on the success, like critics, right? And the world has changed. Everyone's a critic and everyone has a voice and access to a to a market now. So, you know, when you look at these things retrospectively, I mean, how long ago did you did you come up with that concept? No, that was about six years ago, yeah. So, and I agree with you, look, it's very easy. The power of, of social now means everyone can be a critic. And it's why influencer marketing is so, so valuable because these people have influence. And before the world of social, these critics had influence. You know, anyone with access to um, audience can voice their opinion. And, you know, we can argue the the benefits or not of social and how, how good that is for society. But to your point about everyone can now have an opinion at scale is interesting. But having an opinion on something that isn't actually for you is also pointless. Like, why have an opinion on something that you know nothing about? Unless this guy was an expert, you know, children's film reviewer, 
which I'm pretty sure he wasn't, why has he got an opinion on it? Yeah, well, it, it, you know, I guess it, it's strange that why hadn't it been done before? But then I think a lot of businesses can look back on those moments of like, well, why weren't we asking the people who the thing was targeted to what they would think rather than someone it wasn't targeted to? Well, for a marketing, you know, 101, that seems bonkers now. But what's really, you know, inspiring for me is sort of seeing how far you've grown and how quickly you've grown and the clients you've got now. I mean, how does, you know, how does purpose run through that business? And, you know, was it, obviously, you know, you're trying to make change and do things better in the right way. And we've spoken about, you know, happiness and how you've built relationships and that side of things. But how does, you know, how does purpose fit within um, Kids Know Best then? Again, I've been thinking a lot about this too mention purpose between life and work and work and life and, and how that balance fits in. And as I was walking to the office today, I was thinking about what is the purpose of our business? What is the purpose of anything that we do? And purpose runs through two ways. One is to make change. It's to leave an impact on everything that we are attempting to do and will do in the future. because. If we make change, we're doing something good. And the definition of good could be anything because ultimately we're getting commissioned by, I don't know, huge FTSE 100 companies that their purpose is to keep their job, grow, and then go home to their family and say, I had a great day today. And if we can impact that through purpose, through our purpose of leaving our mark, we're winning. And then our team, you know, the team that we employ, uh, our purpose, as you said, is happiness. Like, we we put kids at the heart of everything, and I think by doing that, you should be making people happier. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, like, it, it's nobody's day is always, you know, all always happy and singing and dancing and because it's work it's called work for a reason but as long as that purpose runs through and you can look back and go hold on like we're actually doing something to make people's lives better both internally and externally like i think we're doing a pretty good job there yeah i i would i would say you're definitely doing a really good job and it's easier for me to look at it as an external than you internally and and you're right you know it's impossible to be happy all the time I think what I, you know, I love the, the central mission of using kids' voices to make businesses make better decisions that are better for the kids, right? That's a, you know, a circular happiness wonder wheel or whatever. The second part that you mentioned there was about the, the team, the people. So, you know, you're an employer, right? Um, you know, you have huge influence over the happiness of those people. What are the sorts of things you do? You know, and it's not all sunshine and rainbows every day. Everyone's having a party, right? It's work, as you say, right? But what what are the key yeah. things you think you do as a leader for the you and and Rob actually as leaders for you know the team? Like, how do you you know try and give them happy work? I mean, it's funny because I'm sure you feel the same. I still don't feel like a a boss. Um, that imposter syndrome, I don't think, ever leaves you. Uh, you know, you look around and. It, you're kind of like, oh, these people are kind of reliant on me in a way. And it's like, that still blows my mind. But 
as I said, like one of our one of our core values, as I said, is is leaving a mark. Like we always say, like hungry eyes see far. Like make sure that you're you're in and you and you are working hard because it does lead to happiness and it leads to opportunity. And also, you know, I hate the cliches like, oh yeah, we want big family and blah 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 blah. But you know what? The one thing I will say is everyone in here socializes with each other and that makes me super happy. Um, you know, even to the point that we've always wanted an alumni. We know we're never gonna compete with the big guys, right? In terms of salary, for instance. If we're talking about, you know, the global corporations that can come and blow you out of the water because they've got deeper pockets than you, someone's gonna post your staff. We understand that. We're part of the food chain. But what I want is for someone to leave in tears that they're leaving their friends. And they're always invited back. We have, funny enough, I was noticing the group chat, I think on Thursday evening, uh, Thursday, all of the team that used to work with us are going out together. And that, to me, is, is pretty amazing. I'm like, wow, we, we've built this. We've built this little company. And people are building friendships. And hopefully for life, and you just never know where that's going to go. And that—that that to me is just like that's a real purpose. It's like you know you're you're helping them put food on their table. They're, they're building a the family. They're building they're building their lives with us. Like that's pretty amazing. Yeah, totally. And it, you know it can all be wrapped up in in you know the word culture, right? Creating a culture that you know people fit like you know. Do you want to be friends with people at work? Oh, I think so. You know, I've got loads of friends from all of my jobs that I've done because you're going to spend so much time with these people that you'd rather be around people you can at least joke and have a laugh with. And the family thing is weird as well. You know, we, you know, we, well, we had it as one of our brand values, but we've changed it now to, to try because family, you know, families can be a bit odd. The point we we're trying to make and the reason why tribe is important is because um, you know, it's about having each other's backs. And I think, you know, you don't want to get too much into us against the world type thing. But in a business culture where business is hard, really, really hard, you've got massive competitors, people poaching your stuff, all this sort of things that you have to feel culturally that we've all got each other's backs. And that means, you know, make a mistake. Fine. Everyone makes mistakes. But what are we going to do to fix it? And I think clearly you've, you've developed a really good culture there if you've got, you know, an alumni that are going out drinking. And I, I love, I love the fact that, you know, you can move on. When the first person leaves the, the tribe or whatever, it's, I found it devastating. I was like, oh my God, why would you leave? You're trying to get this <laughs> perfect thing. But you realize as you keep going, right? That actually it's, it is a good thing. You know, you're never going to, you know, you're, you're, you, you can't keep all the good humans. And I've, I've said this before, you know, we have people that come through our business and you know move on to amazing things. But as you say, you want them to think, well, I love my time. I love my time there. And I still know all these people. And then that tribe, that external tribe, that alumni, helps build your brand anyway. Because they go to places and they think, well, actually, those guys are really good. You should speak to them, right? So it's not a bad thing. It's a really, yeah. really good thing. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. I agree with that. It, it does hurt losing someone and losing someone in any part of your life. It always hurts. But when you can kind of take the emotion out of it and look at it and go, if we've left an impact on someone's life, you know, I always say people come into your lives, they're either going to be, you know, it's either a lesson 
or a blessing. Do you know what I mean? And if we can constantly be a blessing for people to be in their lives, we've achieved something amazing. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, so what's your favourite biscuit and why? <laughs> Again, we're thinking about this a lot. Um, and I'm good, good. I, I hope you've researched. <laughs> um, randomly and strangely, um, I've not got a sweet tooth because my old man used to be in confectionery. I don't know if I told you this, Will. So years ago, when I was a kid, this is why I probably started selling sweets, actually. My, my dad used to be, um, he's in finance. He was the finance director of Buttercup's Popcorn. He was a tree board before that. And then him and two other guys acquired some sweet companies. And I kid you not, from the age, from what I can remember, we had popcorn, jelly, sweets, everything, everywhere in the house. So I was never one of these kids that was just craving, craving like a sweet thing. So now I've got older, I'm like really not bothered about sweet things. So thinking about a favourite biscuit, one I keep going back to is pink wafer. And not that I ever eat them, but they remind me of my nan. I used to go around my nan's when I was young and she had the biscuits in and she always had pink wafers. So I wouldn't say, oh my God, I can't wait to eat a pink wafer. But again, when we talk about purpose and, and feeling and meaning, like those kind of little things that you remember from your childhood, they kind of just, they're a little happy place. They make it all better. If you're in the mood, and obviously you're not sweet tooth kind of a guy, that's fine. But you could get through, I reckon, eight to ten pink wafers without feeling too ropey. Oh, do you know what's funny? I, I, I'm much more of a, a, I'll buy all the biscuits for everyone. I'm very much, if, if you come into our office, I get annoyed when the biscuit jar's empty. And I, I'm constantly saying, like, we need, like, we've, we've now got a um, recurring order of biscuits because I want to make sure that everyone's happy and they've got their biscuits. Even though they're not for me, I'd rather make sure everyone else has got biscuits. So we've got a good selection of biscuits in the office. And again, I'm, I'll ask everyone in the office, like, what's your favourite biscuits? Can we can we get some whatever, hobnobs or, you know, party rings or whatever? Anything that makes someone happy, as I said, that's that's a purpose. So give the people what they want. Give, give them good biscuits. Give them good biscuits. I think it's a, a, a brilliant way to uh, to end our conversation. You know, it's, it's people pleasing. You know, getting them the biscuits, making them happy. Those are all uh, you know key lessons from today. Um, and you know, just want to say a massive thank you for for joining us um, today um, for the podcast. Um, you know, look, our mission at the True Purpose Podcast is to build a community of, of purpose led leaders and you know, amplify that voice um, and, you know, showcase inspiring leaders that are doing it so that more people can can think more, you know, more purpose-focused going forward. So thank you very much. And, uh, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers, mate.